The future is a hefty responsibility and not one that we take lightly. But then taking things lightly has never been what hefty is about. That's why we've created the Hefty Renew program that turns hard to recycle plastics into valuable resources like park benches and building materials. To participate, simply fill up an orange Hefty Renew bag with accepted items, tie it up, and drop it in with your regular recycling. That's it. It's that easy. It's time to rethink recycling with Renew. Particular valued resources may vary by geography. More info available at heftyrenew.com. Episode 26, How Lawyers Can Digitally Market Themselves Online. My conversation with Ritech CEO and founder, Steve Ryan. Hello, I'm Michael D. Eisenberg. I'm the Tech Savvy Lawyer, blogging at the techsavvylawyer.page and host of the techsavvylawyer.page podcast. In this podcast series, I'll be interviewing lawyers, judges, and others in the area of law to talk about where they see lawyers new and seasoned, taking advantage of technology in their legal work, and how all lawyers can utilize technology to better their practice, improve their services to their clients, and enhance their own lives. My next guest is Steve Ryan. Steve is the CEO and founder of Rytech. Steve saw an unmet need in the expanding digital market. Through Rytech, Steve partners with businesses to help keep up with the changing digital landscape, especially when it isn't one person's primary responsibility. What started as nights and weekends at Steve's Kitchen Table has transformed into an award-winning digital marketing firm working with clients across the United States since 2012. Steve, welcome to the podcast. Thanks so much for having me. I'm excited to be here. Well, we're excited to have you too. And to get the ball rolling, we're going to ask you, what is your current tech setup? So I would like to say my tech setup has been upgraded because I used to run our firm off of a Samsung Chromebook for about three and a half years and just updated myself to a 2016 MacBook Air um, that I'm running on right now and recently updated to the Big Sur operating system. um, Okay. And noticing there's a little bit of a lag time um, and running a little bit slower. So it might need to be another upgrade. Um, I was also a late convert to having a second monitor. So I've got a (laughs) scepter monitor that I've got next to the screen. So I've got the dual screen capabilities, which is nice um, and really now can't live without it. Are you using special, like a special dongle or a special port device for your Mac, uh, your MacBook Air? I'm just using the um, HDMI converter um, to, it's the Anbeer, Anbeer converter um, to get the HDMI to the MacBook Air. Well, you might want to look at OWC or uh, MacSales.com. They have um, some really good docking stations and ports, which may allow you to even put on another monitor. So you can have the try monitor life. And uh, we, we had an interview last week and he gave us a three monitor, his Apple MacBook Air, and then flanked with two monitors left and right. It was a pretty nice setup. And I'll have a picture um, posted soon from that interview. Um, be able to launch any a other with that, right? I'm sorry? You'd be able to launch a spaceship with that setup. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah, Absolutely. Uh, any other tech devices that you use? So we still have a landline. Um, we use the uh, cloud-based uh, VoIP system for our kind of phone setup. Um, so the 3CX Yeelink phones um, for kind of inner, inner communication and external communication when phones okay. resume. Um, 
And then I've, I, everybody makes fun of me that I still have my iPhone eight. I haven't upgraded. I still like that home button. I like that home screen. I don't know if I'm going to mm. be able to, to make that change. Well, you know, eventually they'll grandfather that out and you'll have to make the upgrade. Probably not for another version or two. I think they're the oldest one that they take care of is still six. I believe so. So you've got, you know, one or two more years, hopefully on that. Well, excellent. So let me ask you the first of our three questions. What are three ways attorneys are underutilizing their web pages? Yeah, that's a great question, Michael. Um, you know, when I look at attorney websites and we, we look at a lot of them, um, one of the first things that we really see is attorneys that put up their website because they know they need to have a website or maybe they're 100% referral based and they just need to have a landing page out there so that their prospects and potential clients can see that they're legitimate and that they have an actual firm. What we see in terms of under, underutilization is really this lack of call to action throughout the, throughout the website. So we look at it from a marketing standpoint of how do we get people to convert when they're on the website? And if we don't have these calls to action, whether it's a contact form to fill out a live chat, uh, this call now, click here to schedule your free consultation, click here to book now, online scheduling, if it's a Calendly or Acuity integration there, uh, to really drive conversions and getting people to go to the pages and take the actions that attorneys want them to take on their website. It's, it's so much more than a billboard that, ever, that a lot of people refer to websites as their billboard online. Uh, you can do so much more with that. And so really that utilization of guiding, guiding potential clients, current clients to the right pages, to the right information, and to take the action that you're looking for is something that is, we're seeing doesn't exist on enough websites right now. Well, you know, got my thinking, do you still see people create their own website, sort of like, I, I kind of consider it the Crayola, uh, Crayon uh, website where it's like they're using some sort of um, prepackaged software and they just kind of slap something together. Uh, is that still common or is that we're seeing less and less of that? No, I would say we're seeing more and more of that, um, especially as attorneys want to own their own website. And there are a lot of right. web development firms out there that you license the technology, you license the content management system, or they own the website. Um, and so any changes, you have to go back through them. So we're seeing attorneys that don't want to deal with that and don't want to bother with that anymore and turning to content management systems and builders on their own, like Squarespace or Weebly, um, doing some in terms of Wix, uh, and, and a few that are willing to enter the coding arena and try it on WordPress. Um, typically I wouldn't advise going to WordPress unless you've got a professional that can assist you in kind of some of the HTML and the CSS that would go with it. But yeah, we are seeing a lot of that. Um, and then it's quick, pick a template, put the right colors on there, put the content on there and press go live. Our second underutilization for websites is they go through, attorneys go through the process, they uh, put the content on there, put the pictures on there, get the right colors, have their font match to their brand guidelines, upload their logos, uh, but then they don't even think about how the website's going to work in search engines and the, how people are going to find them. And so we see that they're predominantly not optimized for search. These content management systems will pull in uh, generic title tags, generic descriptions, 
allow you to be found, probably help the attorney be found if somebody's searching their name or their firm's name to in a first, second, third result, um, but really not being found for practice areas, not being around for, not being found for specific location searches um, and really not being focused on the overall picture of what a website's supposed to do for you and having it is also supposed to help you attract new clients, help you grow, help you scale, um, help you fill your, fill your funnel overall. Um, and so that underutilization with those kind of DIY programs are certainly something that attorneys often overlook. Um, and it's easy to overlook them when you're busy and you've got referral sources filling your pipeline and you have um, a steady flow of incoming potential clients. And then it gets to when you're not busy and you start to slow up that you're thinking, well, what do I need to do and how do I need to do it? And so we really look at that as an underutilization overall. Excellent, excellent. So right, tell us one more, please. So the last one that I would really say is the lack of content. Um, when we see websites and we're looking at them, they're very thin, um, especially if an attorney kind of did it by themselves. So it's, let me get my homepage up. Let me put the about page, maybe a couple attorney profiles if there's more than one attorney. Um, let's hit a couple of practice areas and let's get content and let's get a contact page. So that's great um, for a starter. But if you really want to fully utilize your website, you really want to focus on whether um, you're going to build some long form content, blog posts, some specific practice area pages. Um, that are maybe more in-depth or more specific uh, based off of the type of practice area and really going in in-depth. And I'm not saying you need to have 10,000 pages on your website in order for it to be well utilized. We, you really want to focus on quality over quantity and that quality long form content, thousand words plus um, is going to do so much better than four 250 word blog posts. And so really kind of fully commit to it, uh, whether you can commit to it on a monthly basis or a quarterly basis or a weekly basis. You make it part of your regular routine to add new content to the website, add new copy to really help that website start performing better overall. Well, what is the perfect size, and I'll say word count, for having just the, the generic or the basic information on your website? Not where you're creating new content, you know, every week, every month, et cetera, but where you want to have at least that first impression where you talk about yourself, you talk about what the practice focuses on, et cetera. Yeah. You definitely, you don't want to have a, a page on your website with less than 500 words because that's really not going to perform well from a search standpoint. It might look better to be more visual based and less content heavy, um, but really 500 words should be your minimum as you move forward and as you look at what your about page looks like, what your bio looks like, what your practice area pages might look like. Um, you can weave in some of the content pieces and the creative pieces uh, with mm -hmm. your calls to action, but really kind of as you're developing it, 500 plus words should be your baseline. Well, you talk about number of words, great for SEO. What about appealing to the, cu to the customer? I think they kind of pretty much go hand in hand as you look at user experience and individuals coming. It's not necessarily about quantity of content on the website, but it's really mm -hmm. about are you telling your potential clients or your current clients 
what, what they should do and giving them the information they need. If they're a current client looking to pay their bill and you don't have a quick, whether you're using law pay or one of the right. other um, payment processors out there, um, if you're not, if that link's not on your website, if it's buried in the footer, if it's, you know, you can't find it anywhere, then you're going to have some friction with your users. Um, whereas if you have the right content with the right call to action and the right mix, you're going to be able to have people navigate exactly where you want them to be, um, decrease your bounce rate, and, and hopefully increase the number of conversions that you have coming in. Excellent. Excellent. Well, thank you for sharing that. Let's move on to question number two. What are three ways attorneys can use tech to improve their internet presence? Great question, um, because there's so many different layers that you can go down with that question in terms of uh, what technology is out there. I look at free opportunities that attorneys can use from mm -hmm. a technology standpoint. Um, and Google has a couple of free tools out there that most attorneys don't know about or have never looked at. Um, the first is the Google My Business listing. Um, it's a great free directory listing. It's not like the legal directories that um, are traditionally known as the pay to play um, opportunities with ranking and reviews and all of that. The Google My Business um, really is a great indicator for local search performance. And so making sure that attorneys and law firms have managed it, have claimed it, um, and are optimizing it for local SEO efficiencies to have the amount of people um, who are just quickly going to Google and maybe they just need your phone number or maybe they just need your address. They don't even have to come to your website for it. Um, and it's a free tool, um, a free directory listing that Google offers to attorneys and, so, and to all businesses. But, you know, attorneys can use it for both their firm. If they've got multiple attorneys, they the individual attorneys can have their own presence on there, all kind of generating the same quality um, of leads and inquiries to the, to the firm overall. Excellent. Excellent. Well, that's one, but before we go on to the other two, I have to ask, what is your position on the pay to play uh, review sites? I've, I, for one, never, have never been a fan of them. Um, I think our internet users are much more savvy than they used to be. Um, mm -hmm. And when they're doing a search for, um, you know, insert practice area followed by attorney in a specific location, they want to see results and they want to see actual firms that they can go to. They don't want to go to these aggregators that are pulling in, um, you know, all these reviews. So I've never, one, been a huge fan of them. I think um, it gets crowded for specific keywords that you might be mm -hmm. looking for from a search engine optimization standpoint. Um, but I, I have never really seen the value in terms of the clients that we've worked with, haven't been getting the leads they were promised, or um, really haven't been getting the results they expected with the investment they've made. Gotcha. Gotcha. Well, what are two other ways that attorneys can use tech to improve their internet pre um, presence? So the second that I would say is another free Google tool that's out there. Um, Google Keyword Planner and Google Trends um, are great ways to see how people are talking about and what they're searching in real time. Um, we look at trends and um, especially, you know, with the COVID-19 pandemic, what changed um, in terms of search performance and how people were searching. We saw with uh, a client that we work with who had been predominantly doing family law, 
um, looking for family law mediation on video conference. And so kind of looking at uh, firms and attorneys that were actually using online video conferencing capabilities um, as opposed to meeting in person. And so kind of looking, using Keyword Planner to maybe put together some of that content that I talked about. Maybe it's a blog post that you can really hit on because um, your firm shines in that respect um, or looking at Google Trends kind of overall. Both are great um, free data opportunities uh, for attorneys that might be looking to invest a little bit more on their website in terms of time, um, not necessarily dollars. So I respect that I've kind of pulled two and three out of you there just there with the two different Google uh, free items, if you will. So I, I gotta, I'm going to ask for one more, just something that's not free, something that maybe the attorneys uh, could still utilize on their own that they may not think of. Yeah, I would say, you know, when you think about um, search results overall, mm -hmm. um, I think we often fail to think about how a individual search looks. Um, so if I'm searching myself, for instance, what is page one filled with? Um, is it filled with, um, you know, a bunch of news articles that I, you know, I'm not interested in people seeing, or is it filled with, um, you know, my firm, and then it's filled with a press release, and maybe then it's a news article, and then it's a, then it's maybe those pay to play directories underneath it. Um, so really kind of think about what that brand, branded search result looks like um, and take time to go through and Google yourself if you haven't or Bing yourself if you right, haven't right. Um, to really see what those search results might be and how you might be able to better um, impact overall your branded search results because potential clients are out there doing their research and doing their due diligence and they, you want to make sure that what they see is um, best represents you in the best light possible. Well, how can an attorney, if you will, manipulate that? So lots of different ways um, that attorneys can manipulate that in terms of um, positive news articles that are out there. So um, we see attorneys that will start writing for different news publica publications or journals um, just to have those results populate. Um, you could build separate micro sites. Um, so you've got maybe your main firm page and then you might build out another page that's directed just at a specific practice area um, just to kind of fill up that next that next search result um, directory listings if you're involved with chambers of commerce or um, local bars association um, you know kind of really pulling those search results into the most positive light that you can excellent excellent well thanks for sharing that um, I want to move on to our third and last question. And this is one I think that you're going to enjoy. What are three ways Rytech can provide solutions to attorneys that they may not even think about when it comes to digital marketing? I love that question. Thanks for uh, teeing it up for me. Um, so at Rytech, we are uh, relationship forward results oriented. So we really focus on developing those relationships with our clients. And I think there's a couple of ways that um, really come to mind right away that integrate with other kind of attorney service providers as well. Um, so one of the ways that we really think about it is how do you capture those conversions that are coming in right away? Um, 
you know, whether they're booking their free appointment or they're making a phone call using your live chat on your website, what do you do with that information? Um, and oftentimes it just sits in a CSV file somewhere or an online database that just is great. This is awesome. These, these, many, these many people called, it was exciting to get this amount of phone calls and this traffic and a certain number of percentage converted. One of the things that we do is we take that data and really build it into an email drip campaign. Um, that talk not only about the firm, um, but then also about the practice areas, um, the key differentiators, the value proposition that get that as soon as that person sends that um, contact information in through your website or through your chat or, uh, you know, as part of your phone transcript, um, they get that first welcome email. Um, thanks, whether it's, you know, thanks for spending time or thanks for inquiring um, all the way through. Um, we typically do three or four emails over the course of about a week. Um, and then as soon as they can either unsubscribe those individuals or the flip side of that is they can convert. And if they convert, then they don't get the subsequent um, emails that are set up. But it's, a, it's an automated way to capture contact information and then really get back in front of those potential clients to try to convince them to convert. Um, and we've seen great success in that realm. Excellent. So what is your second solution? So the second solution that we've seen success with is social listening. Um, you know, it's different than social media. It's different than social management. Um, what social listening is, is it allows us to really understand the why behind the what. Um, so why are people looking for a specific practice area? Um, and then maybe what caused them to look for that practice area. And so we find some really valuable intelligence by using these social listeners that are basically pulling data from the major social media sites, your, your Facebook, your Instagram, Twitter, LinkedIn, um, but also some other aggregators from podcasts and um, YouTube and what are people commenting on? And so we do some What's really interesting is we can do some competitor listening. So um, if you've got, you know, three to five different competitors that you go out that you regularly work against, um, you know, what are people saying about them that maybe you could use um, to better increase your conversion rate or mm -hmm. to inform your paid strategy mm -hmm. or, um, you know, maybe people are complaining about them or maybe people are really excited about them and what sort of data can you use um, for that, um, which we, we find very effective. Um, you can also use it from like a brand health standpoint. So from a reputation management, if, if people are, um, you know, saying negative things about you, how can you quickly address that? Or if they're saying positive things um, and maybe they're not tagging you on social or maybe they're not leaving you a review on a review site, how can you use the positive and negative to your advantage? Um, or maybe it's just an industry topic. You know, maybe you want to hear um, how people are talking about family law or divorce or child custody. Um, and maybe you can pull some of that in specific geographic areas. So you can really get dialed in um, on how people are, how people are talking and what they're talking about. Um, it, it's kind of like that focus group, but real life focus group, because we're just grabbing people's feedback um, from what they're saying online. Excellent. Excellent. But I got to draw one more audio. You're really making sure we get all three, aren't you? Oh, yeah. I'm, <laughs> I'm all about the threes. Um, the last one that I would say is, is really um, we can get hyper-local and hyper-targeted. Um, 
and really be specific in terms of that potential client that you want to go after. So it, you know, whether it's leveraging um, organic search engine optimization, paid search, paid social, um, to really get ads in front of those individuals who are likely to convert um, and being specific in terms of um, what their attributes are, what their demographics are. Maybe you're just hyper-focused on a specific zip code or um, a specific um, age demographic or population is you're really looking at that. Um, it helps to eliminate a lot of the um, not potential clients and not ideal clients from filling up your time in terms of intake or conflict checks or phone calls um, that allows us to really get that hyper-local, hyper-targeted feel. Um, you know, we don't mark up any of our ad spend, so our clients get directly billed for ad spend if we do any paid campaigns, um, but really kind of focus on those results and filling up that, that pipeline um, in a hyper-local, hyper hyper-targeted manner. Well, I've got two questions for you on that. Number one, what's better, paid or organic? Can I say both? Does one, does one outline the other or? Yeah, I mean, so we see great success um, when we use both, right? So we do like okay. to see both. I, I view them really, one's a marathon, one's a sprint. Um, organic right. search engine optimization is going to be your marathon. You want to make sure your website's optimized so that it can continue to build upon each other moving forward. Right, right. Um, paid is really going to allow you to hit that sprint and turn the turn the funnel on or turn it off um, mm -hmm. based off of kind of your demand and what you have. Um, I will say, you know, paid is going to be better if you have a brand new firm and you're not going to have any chance of ranking um, organically in the near term. Um, if you're in a highly competitive practice area industry, you know, that's going to be really important probably to leverage some sort of paid components. Um, or if you really want to, say, I only want my ad to show up from somebody in this zip code that is searching, you know, that's when you're really going to go the paid route. The organic's going to mm -hmm. be a little bit more of a blanket, a little bit more of a wider reach um, that can be targeted, but isn't always going to be just those specific targeted results. So I have a, the second question I have is more of a flip on, and sort of follows what you were just saying, but it's sort of a flip on your answer about targeting your audience. And from what I heard from your answer is you want the age group, the location, and perhaps the practice area, if I, if I recall correctly. That being said, uh, what about someone who has not a local practice, but a, a, na a national practice or even a statewide practice? How do you, I mean, what do you focus then on? Yeah, great question um, because the, um, that's when I would really focus on like a more organic SEO um, mm -hmm. because especially if you've got a limited budget because the budget for a national campaign is going to be or an international campaign is going to be much larger than if you are mm -hmm. hyper local hyper targeted so if you are statewide or regional or you know nationwide really developing kind of that organic SEO strategy implementation um, that's going to talk about content, that's going to talk about link building, that's going to really be um, broader to capture that wider net um, overall, while still being really focused on keywords, while still being really focused on what content is going to drive those keywords and is going to get people onto my site. 
um, that's going to allow them to kind of start that converse, conversation and conversion. Excellent. Excellent. Well, I really appreciate you sharing everything today. Tell me, where can people find you? We can be found rytechllc.com um, or you can find me on LinkedIn, Steve Ryan, um, or on Twitter at SJRyanJR. Well, I'll be sure to have all that uh, in our show notes, but I want to thank you again for joining us. My pleasure. Thanks for the opportunity and it was a great time and good conversation. Thanks. Thank you for joining me on this episode of the TechSavvyLawyer.page podcast. Our next episode will be posted in about two weeks. If you have any ideas about a future episode, please contact me at michaeldj at the TechSavvyLawyer.page. Have a great day and happy luring.